Wagwan, much love to you all. Welcome to our podcast, The Higher Level. I'm here with my Latino brother over in California, the child genius that is Professor Sanchez. I'm here with my Jamaican brother, the esteemed doctor from South London, enigmatic Dr. Wagwan. And together, we banter about trending geopolitical topics from all around the globe. Whatever is contentious, whatever happenings that spurn anger and frustrations, we voice these issues, we together resist. We try to be as factual and as comprehensive as possible, always. Yes, that too. And most importantly, we do it freely and candidly. As of late, we believe that a second Cold War is underway between the United States government and the Chinese Communist Party. And now nearly all the nations around China are bridging up to the CCP. We've got news that there could be a potential alliance being formed between Japan, India, Australia, and the US. Why? Because the CCP are proper dickheads. Oh my God. Well, yes, the, uh, the CCP have created uh, policies and made public statements and actions which have angered and concerned the global community. Always the gentleman farm. You sure you're not British? No, 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 sir. We had our independence. We're not British. <laughs> the CCP's army, also known as the People's Liberation Army, which is an outdated name now as they liberate nothing and actually do the exact opposite, which is suppressing. But they were named in 1945 after the Japanese surrendered. Anyway, today they have gone and pissed off the Indian government again. Again, yeah, that's the operative word. Yeah, along the 4,000 kilometer uh, line of actual control border. So this line of actual control, it's the effective, it's not the agreed border, it's the effective border between China and India. In May this year, infrastructure projects along the border increased tensions on territorial ownerships. And this culminated into conflicts and standoffs between soldiers on both sides, precipitated by the, uh, the uh, unarmed attack by Chinese soldiers on unarmed Indian soldiers. Now, when I say they are unarmed, they had, the Chinese soldiers had clubs and batons and wooden sticks with nails on them, but they didn't have guns. So technically, by the agreement of the ground, they were unarmed, but they had, you know, brutal weapons. Mm -hmm. That's right. They didn't fire any shots in the first incident. They did, though, you know, fashion, as you said, handcrafted weapons and beef with each other. Like they tried to get their money all up. About 20 Indian soldiers dead. Around 40 Chinese soldiers were injured. Now, some sources say it was 40 odd dead. But however, just, just think about this for a second. We say no shots fired, and the normal reaction will be like, ah, okay, it's not such a big deal. But look at the numbers that have died, man. We got the over 20 and 40, let's say all up 60, died to hand-to-hand combat from rocks and buttons with nails stuck in them in rocky terrain, all done in the Galwan Valley. There was uh, originally some hope uh, when both governments stated that they sought to de-escalate their issues. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, 
the Indian Army deployed their tanks when the, uh, the PLA encroached on their territory. So the Indian Army sent a very clear message. This is enough. Mm -hmm. And this week, it escalated further. The first shots in 45 years were fired. Ba-bam! Both sides, they blamed each other for firing the first shot. This was reported by national media outlets from both sides. And it seems the international journalists, they're a little bit confused too. China said India troops crossed the border and so they fired shots into the air. Indian sources said the PLA moved in on one of their forward positions and when told to leave by their troops, the PLA troops then fired shots into the air to intimidate the Indian soldiers and that the Indian army showed they showed great restraint in the face of grave provocation. This is according to their Indian sources. So we got here both sides blaming each other. So it's hard to say who encroached on who in this particular situation. But the thing is more certain, and that is the PLA fired the first shots. Why do I side with the Indian government statements that they did not cross the border? Well, there are ways to see past the rascal CCP propaganda, which is scripted by absolute amateurs. You see, the PLA claim its soldiers were forced to take countermeasures. Now, what does that mean? Did you not shoot your shot? Good looking, stupid. After this incident, the standoff continues. The Indian army are claiming that about 40 PLA soldiers have taken up positions very close to the deployed troops who have the height advantage and placed a makeshift fence of barbed wire or wired mesh warning the PLA not to cross it. According to the Indian media, Chinese soldiers approach the location armed with spears and clubs. What? They then they then tried to cut through the fencing. What? The Indians, man, they went and told the Chinese that any provocation will be met with a professional response, which may not be limited to physical clashes or fisticuffs like what happened in the Galwan Valley. Uh, I would add that uh, this is a different area of conflict from the first skirmish. That was in the, the first skirmish was in the Galwan Valley. This is latest skirmish is in the Chushul Valley. And mm -hmm. from my perspective, I think the standoff will continue. And I think territorial claims will continue to be disputed by both sides, primarily because the line of actual control is poorly demarcated. The presence mm -hmm. of rivers, lakes, snow caps mean the line can shift. And, uh, you know, just recently a, a study by the U.S. think tank, the Belfer Center, they analyzed the positions and they said that India was in a pole position. Despite China's undoubted military muscle, India had more warplanes that are stationed closer to the conflict zone. And they had, even though China had a similar number of soldiers in the region, its jets are less stealthy and its bases. So its bases are further away, which will hamper its logistics. Additionally, mm. the Indian troops, they also had more combat experience given their skirmishes with Pakistan. They've been fighting wars with Pakistan for the last pretty much since the inception uh, so the indian army is a trained fighting force they're they're not just gonna fold over mm -hmm. and just now that they they've decided to take out their weapons and they're not just uh, adhering to a uh, a treaty to stay unarmed mm -hmm. the indian soldiers are, are definitely going to put up 
a pretty serious fight. So I don't see the strategic benefit behind picking this fight with India. If I were mm. playing China's cards, I would want to focus primarily on growing my economy and dealing with the United States and picking fights with India. This is very, very unnecessary. But mm. they picked the fight and the Indi Indians are not going to just go back into the box. I don't mm -hmm. think that there's anything that the Chinese can do to calm the Indians down because I think they've just decided that the, the communist government of China is an existential threat to India. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're. I don't think this is going to get any easier. I'm pretty sure India is in it for the long haul, and they're going to take the fight back to China. And you can see that from what they're doing there, naval operations with Vietnam and in between Taiwan. India hasn't really taken a position historically on Taiwan, but they're doing it now. Mm -hmm. Do you think they have interest? No, they they just want to mess with China in the same mm -hmm. way that China is messing with them. Mm -hmm. And the Indian government—they're not dumb people, you know. The Indian environment, it's harsh living over there. Those that are in power, they're not dumb. They got street IQ, bruv. You know, they know these games that the CCP are playing. And the Indians are like, you know, we can play the same games too. What was interesting yeah. this week is that the Pentagon came out with their reports. They came out with the annual report that they've been doing for the last two decades now, which is report on the China military power. This is an interesting report that the Pentagon have been publishing every year for the past two decades. The purpose of these uh, unclassified and therefore publicly available documents, it's to inform and track the growth of the People's Liberation Army. This year's report looks at China's strategy and its ambitions and assesses its navies to now be the world's largest. It summarizes the major advances in China's conventional and nuclear ballistic missile arsenal. Chinese President Xi Jinping in 2017 set out two major goals for the PLA, to complete modernization by the year 2035 and become a world-class military by mid-century, presumably prior to the People's Republic of China's centennial in 2049. The Pentagon isn't sure exactly what world-class means in practice. Uh, the PRC probably doesn't know the answer to that question either. But it's confident that China isn't building up its military for show. It's stated that the Chinese Communist Party desires the People's Liberation Army to become a practical instrument of its statecraft with an active role in advancing the PRC's foreign policy, particularly with respect to the PRC's incre increasingly global interests and its aims to revise aspects of the international order. While Guan Fam, the report pointed out that China's navy is now the largest and most modern fleet in the world. The PLA Navy now boasts huge number of major surface warships. And they do all this, they will, they've done all this because they build it all in-house and they have the world's largest shipbuilding capacity. So they've got about 70 subs, submarine studies, mostly diesel, with capabilities of improving by replacing their old hulls with their new, more advanced ones. Last year's report said the People's Liberation Army Navy was the largest navy in the region. This year it says the force is the largest navy in the world. The document explicitly notes that China's Navy has 350 ships, compared to only 293 for the US Navy. 
the fact that the U.S. Department of Defense is drawing attention to multiple strategic asymmetries, asymmetries including one fundamental to glo America's global power projection capabilities, will be noticed by not only those in Washington, but in Beijing and other Asian capitals as well. Though now outnumbering the United States fleet, the PLA naval force varies widely in its capabilities, its size, and its mix of ships. <clears throat> this limits the value of a direct numerical comparison, as the two fleets, in even some Chinese naval analysts, are skeptical that the PLA Navy will ever be able to establish more than temporary local advantage over the U.S. Navy in the Western Pacific. America's Navy remains way ahead in tonnage, still by a factor of at least two to one over China, and is ahead by at least 10 to one in carrier-based air power. It is way ahead too in the quality and quantity of long-range attack submarines, even if China now has a fine force of shorter range and mostly non-nuclear powered attack subs. In fairness, it should also be acknowledged that many of China's new ships are well equipped with launch tubes and modern missiles. Not just their Navy, man. They have been pretty much more than doubled their Chinese Coast Guard department in the last 10 years, from 60 to now more than 130 ships, making it by far the largest Coast Guard force in the world and increasing its capacity to conduct simultaneous extended offshore operations in multiple disputed areas. These disputed areas are, of course, all the things happening in the North and South China Seas. Prof, the report also says China is looking to double the nuclear warheads arsenal. Last spring, the director of U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, revealed that the United States assessed China intended to roughly double the amount of its nuclear weapons this decade, which he characterized as being in the low hundreds of warheads. This year's Pentagon China report put a number to that estimate, in the low 200s, substantially less than the public open source estimates of China's arsenal, which put it at around 300 weapons. The report also revealed that China's nuclear arsenal, while still far smaller than the United States stockpile of around 4,000 warheads, will grow in the next five years to include roughly 200 weapons launched from land-based ICBMs capable of hitting the United States. Bomba clap blood. The world does not need this many nuclear weapons, let alone any single country housing this amount of nuclear weapons. This is madness, bruv. China, see, call it 300 nuclear warheads in their arsenal. That sounds bad. That sounds scary in the hands of the CCP. On the other hand, I have to say, man, I was shocked when I realized USA have 4,000 nuclear weapons. Why do you need 4,000 nuclear weapons? Who are you going to bomb? It was the Soviet Union. There was a huge arms, arms race between the United States and the Soviet Union. And but I think, to how, my knowledge, Russia had even that? more. How many cities is that, bruv? That's you the don't, entire world. Man, you don't need 4,000. You don't need one nuclear bomb takes out a whole city. It is nuts. It's a leftover from the Cold War. Nuts, man. China is making significant progress 
towards a number of diversified triad structured nuclear deterrents to ensure enough of its arsenal would survive a, a potential preemptive strike in order to retaliate. The resurrection of bomber-based weapons and the development of nuclear-capable air-launched ballistic missiles coincides with significant advances in its ground-launched mobile missile force. China's sea-based deterrent is also becoming more capable. Man, it's scary stuff. The beast is growing. Now, in order yeah. for the military to grow, right? They, like all, all this that they're doing is to achieve the CCP's goal of global leading power by 2049. That's right. It was a goal first announced by uh, Xi Jinping in 2017. China, now having the second largest research and development budget in the world for science and technology, it is certainly a plausible aspiration. That said, at this point, anything about 2049 is aspirational. <laughs> also worth, yeah, exactly. It's also worth bearing in mind how much demographics and possibly the middle income trap will work against China, compromising its growth prospects substantially. China has got a, a rapidly aging population. The, the Chinese people just, they've stopped having children. Mm -hmm. So in the future, it will be very difficult to maintain power projection capabilities if you have a, a nation of senior citizens. Mm. You need, you know, not to be ageist, but you need a good supply of young people to keep the economy strong. Mm -hmm. If you have uh, pensioners and senior citizens and people who are retired, they certainly have a cultural value, but their economic value uh, is, is less. Mm. China spends roughly $200 billion, uh, for its annual budget, according to the Department of Defense. Even after adding in many things that China leaves out of its own official defense budget figures. This is double what it was in 2010. However, it represents only about 1.5% of the country's GDP. It is far and away the world's number two military power. But it only spends about one third as much as the United States on its armed forces in absolute terms, and only about half as much as a fraction of national economic output. In summary, they have shown growth, but let me put their growth into perspective. If China were in NATO, we would berate it for inadequate burden sharing since its military outlays fall well below NATO's 2% minimum. However, I would also add that these numbers are reported by China. So these are just mm. estimates, really. The Chinese leadership probably doesn't really understand the size of its economy. So calculating the cost of its defense por uh, portfolio as relative to its economic size is difficult because you don't really know what its economic size is. Mm. So what does all this mean for Taiwan? The recent uh, foreign affairs piece by Richard Haas and David Sachs calls for Washington to be clear with Beijing that it would respond to any Chinese attack on Taiwan firmly and resolutely, even though Taiwan is not a formal US ally. Actually, the United States doesn't even recognize Taiwan as a country. Um, this approach would of course reverse a policy of ambiguity now four decades old. If what Haas and Sachs mean is that the United States could not be indifferent to any such attack, I would agree completely. Let's say the PLA, uh, attempted amphibious attacks with their navy. The Department of Defense does not consider this approach likely because they note the inherent difficult of uh, the inherent difficulty of such maritime operations, where China lacks key investments in some of the assets needed for forcible entry. 
I'm not even sure Taiwan, Taiwan would need the help. Certainly, China could probably outmatch Taiwan in air power. They could send, they could blanket the skies of Taiwan with air power. But mm -hmm. to really take over an island, you'd need to send boats with soldiers and tanks. Mm -hmm. That's the only way to really take control of uh, of land. That's what made Normandy and D-Day uh, mm. so difficult. That that was a very very costly operation uh, in terms of lost men. Now mm. uh, that that distance, the English Channel, is tiny compared to the distance between China and the Chinese mainland, uh, between Taiwan and the Chinese mainland. Mm. So uh, all that navy that uh, China is building up. Look, at the end of the day, even the most advanced boat doesn't really go as fa fast as you think it does. It's still mm. a boat. It has a long way to travel. Mm -hmm. And Taiwan has thousands of ballistic missiles. All mm -hmm. that expensive Navy will be sunk probably within an afternoon. I'm not saying Taiwan won't suffer casualties. Mm. But the Taiwanese know they can't win a, a battle as soon as the Chinese enter the Taiwanese coast. So Taiwan is putting all of their money into stopping the boats from even getting close to Taiwan. And you can guess that the Japanese and the American submarine forces will be patrolling the Taiwan Strait, sinking Chinese boats. Mm. Mm. Look, in any case, war is a bad thing. No one wants it. There's going to be casualties throughout. You know, the standard strategy right now from any government is to bomb first, utterly destroy and decimate cities in order to take control as trump says you still need boots on the ground you still need the boots from the troops on enemy territory taking control either way it's a bad thing it's it's really terrible and there is some evidence to suggest that senior members of the military in china and uh, of the communist party are trying to calm the people down because it seems like They've been causing this nationalist hysteria in China for, for a couple of decades now, telling mm -hmm. them that we need to take back Taiwan. Taiwan is, has betrayed the motherland. We need to take back Taiwan. And the people mm -hmm. are screaming to take back Taiwan. But now the, the government and the military are starting to say, whoa, 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 we, we, we were just talking. We didn't want to actually do it today. You know? mm. Because if they did it today, it would be absolute slaughter for the People's Liberation Army. And although Taiwan, we want it to remain a peaceful and prosperous nation, it would suffer a lot too. It would probably suffer severely. Mm -hmm. And uh, it might even result in World War III. Mm. I think it would, in my opinion. America's no. not just going to stand by. My, my, said, my country is not going to let Taiwan fall. We mm, can't afford to. Mm, they've said, you know, they've stated they're not going to. They're going to stand beside them. Japan's not going to sit back and do nothing either. You know, Japan once pillaged and attacked Taiwan. There's a history there. We know this. However, in the last you know, couple of decades, they've shared a lot in technology and infrastructure works and really enhanced it. I mean, you look at Japan and Taiwan, you look at the cities. They look very similar. When you look at their public transport, you can tell. They've shared knowledge there. They've shared experience there. So I believe Japan will ally with Taiwan against the CCP. It seems like everyone wants to ally against the CCP. 
I mean, who wants to be with the CCP these days? The only person you can think of is the fat boy over in North Korea. It's the only guy. No one else. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe you got Russia. Maybe you got Iran. But, man, they all speak three very different languages. Can you imagine their meeting rooms? You're going to need a lot of translators there, bro. And you better hope those translators don't mistranslate nothing. I, I don't even think Russia will even stay a Chinese ally. I think Russia is extremely concerned and worried because as China increases the number of nuclear weapons, don't forget China is a neighbor of Russia. Russia mm -hmm. has to now do the same, and they can't afford to do that. Their economy is tiny. Their economy is destroyed. Mm. The Russians can't afford to fund a strong military anymore. They're not the Soviet Union. They're just Russia, which mm -hmm. is nothing. Half, half a, less than half as strong as the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was something terrifying. Russia mm -hmm. is, you know, it doesn't have a strong economy. It can't keep up with China. So I don't think it'll ally with China. I'm pretty sure it's actually quite scared of China because Russia has a, a huge landmass, a lot of natural resources, but it doesn't have the capabilities to defend itself from China. It's a good point, man. So here we've got this annual report from the Pentagon, which is all really interesting talking about nuclear warheads and stuff, man, sounds like other nations around China picking up this report, they're just going to think, man, we got to build our nuclear arsenals. So now we're back in a nuclear race. And on top of that, we've already got, we're already in the beginnings of a space race. So the Pentagon, they didn't highlight the space race in the report that the US, Russia, India, and China are in. This week, though, without any major announcements and rather shrouded in secrecy, China have tested and launched a new, as they call it, space plane. They told the state-run Xinhua News Agency the successful flight marked the country's important breakthrough in reusable spacecraft research and is expected to offer convenient and low-cost round-trip transport for the peaceful use of space, for the peaceful use of space. The, that propaganda gears are in full function, bro. But unlike previous Chinese high-profile space missions, very few details have emerged about the vehicle and no visuals have been released. The spacecraft was mounted on a Long March 2F rocket. It was launched from a Jiquan Satellite Launch Center in northern China on 4th of September, and it safely returned to Earth after two days in orbit. The exact launch and landing times, they were not revealed nor was the landing site, although it is thought to be in the Taklamakan desert. And an official memo circulating on social media also warned staff and visitors to the launch site not to film the liftoff or discuss it online. A reusable spacecraft, as the name implies, can undertake multiple trips to space thereby potentially lowering the overall cost of launch activity. A traditional one-off spacecraft costing tens of millions of dollars is practically 
rendered useless after a single mission. Mm. Once the testing is complete, such a vehicle could be used to launch and repair satellites, survey the Earth, as well as take astronauts and goods to and from orbit, possibly to a planned future Chinese space station. The Chinese craft's size and shape remain unclear, but it's widely believed to be some sort of uncrewed space plane, similar to the X-37B orbital test vehicle operated by the U.S. Air Force. If it's confirmed as a space plane, China would only become the third country to have successfully launched such a vehicle into orbit after the U.S. and the former Soviet Union. Wow! The European Space Agency is working on its own reusable orbital vehicle called Space Rider, while in India, they're also said to be developing a space shuttle-like craft. China has poured significant funding into space efforts and last year became the first country to send an uncrewed rover to the far side of the moon. President Xi Jinping, Winnie the Pooh, has also thrown his support behind the country's space endeavors and the Chinese state media regularly cast the space dream, as they call it, as one step in the path to national rejuvenation. Well, I say they should go all go and rejuvenate their vaginas. Wow. Hey, speaking about vaginas, what happened this week with some of the ambassadors on Twitter and some kind of pornography? I heard things were going hot over in the offices there. Uh, we, we don't have evidence or video evidence of what happened afterwards after watching of the video but the uh account belonging to the chinese ambassador to the united kingdom so this is china's representative to the united kingdom Mm -hmm. his twitter account liked a pornography video and uh, (laughs) i would (laughs) did you see the video no I, i don't watch another man's pornographic material I watch a lot of pornographic stuff myself and I know what I like and I don't care what another man looks at. You get me? I understand you. I understand you. Um, well, he, uh, do you want to guess what excuse they came up with to uh, shift the blame on this one? Man, I can't imagine. What did the amateurs over in the CCP decide to come up with? Tell us, bro. He said his account was hacked and he blamed america oh of course of course you gotta blame america what an idiot yeah this is uh (laughs) i i'm not sure what he was trying to do like save it for later maybe or uh... man he's got that watch list going i got a watch list my watch list is extensive bro i know what this man is doing he started to favorite it he liked it maybe that's why he liked it bro he liked it so there was a record on his profile so he can come and visit it later. Actually, that makes sense. He liked it so much that he wanted to visit it again and mm. uh, brought instead broadcast it to the world, I guess. What an idiot. Is this guy married? Yes, he is, to my knowledge. I hope his wife finds out and cuts off his penis. I think there is probably a low chance of that happening. <laughs> um, but uh, hey... At least it's not like animal abuse or something like that. Oh, 
I might say otherwise. The CCP to me are animals. A lot talking of people about, would make that comparison. Mm, talking about people ratting on each other and turning coats on each other. Trump attacked the Pentagon chiefs this week. As we mentioned, the ladies and gentlemen over at the Pentagon, they've been real busy. They've been pumping out work in their annual Chinese military growth report. The military personnel and people all over the states this week, of, of course, you know, September 11, they've been commemorating all those that have fallen and the tragedy that occurred in that terrorist attack. But then the big baboon, Mr. Donnie Trump, at a White House news conference on Monday, he attacked, well, he was attacking the Democratic nominee for president, Mr. Joe Biden. He stated that the top people in the Pentagon, including men he chose, have a common interest in arms dealers, in wanting to stay in endless wars. Those are and very big words. They are big words. You know, as a third-party person, not too far-fetched. I am a little surprised he, he did mention this and he brought it to light because, you know, we see this stuff in films that the American military are just big arms dealers and they want war to perpetuate. But it was strange and interesting for American president to be saying this. He also said, it's one of the reasons the military, and he goes, I'm not saying the military is in love with me. <laughs> the soldiers are. The top people in the Pentagon probably aren't because they want to do nothing but fight wars so that all of those wonderful companies that make the bombs and make the planes and make everything else stay happy. This is what he was saying. That's a direct quote? That's exactly what he was saying. And then he goes on to say, some people don't like to come home. Some people like to continue to spend money. One cold-hearted globalist betrayal after another. That's what it is. These are his words, bruv. Didn't he appoint some of these people? Exactly, man. And then he goes and turn coats and attacks them. This Trump guy, man. He's becoming increasingly erratic in his behavior. Mm-hmm. I, uh, well, I don't know what to say, but uh, later on Monday, Trump shared tweets defending the remarks. He even compared himself to former President Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, this was a World War II hero. Mm. Um, so I don't agree with the comparison between him and Donald Trump. But however, Dwight Eisenhower in 1961 made a famous speech marking the end of his time in office. He warned Americans about the rising power of the military-industrial complex. But while Trump campaigned saying that he wants to stop the endless wars, at the same time he touts himself as rebuilding the nation's military by spending tens of billions on new arms and weapons deals. It's a uh, schizophrenic policy to say the least. Mm -hmm. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows tried to defend President Donald Trump's statements on the nation's military leaders. Tough job. Mm. And he told White House reporters that he had spoken with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Chairman Mark Milley, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, and other top officials, claiming they know Trump's striking comments Monday weren't aimed at them. Those comments are not defect, uh, directed specifically at them. This president is consistent about one thing, 
if we're going to send our sons and daughters abroad to fight on our behalf, he's, no, he's not going to let some lobbyists here in Washington, D.C., just because they want a new defense contract, suggest that they need to stay abroad one minute longer than they should. That comment was more directed at the military-industrial complex, Meadows continued, adding that no other president has been as good as Trump at giving the equipment to our military men and women that need it. Mm. Look, prof, some lads get turned on by feet. Like the I'm... UK ambassador to China. Uh, sorry, the China ambassador to the UK. Mm. Getting turned on by feet. If you watch the video, I guess he, Yeah, I, oh. I guess that's a conclusion you could draw. Right, so that's what it is. In effect. This Trump man, though, he really likes to stick his own foot in his mouth. Like, all the time, man. Oh, oh, that's, that's a bad picture. <laughs> that that's a bad picture. A talking about baboon like activities, the Czech mayor writes a letter to a Chinese diplomat, and he called this Chinese diplomat an unmannered, rude clown, and he asked him or he told him to apologize for his pathetic diplomatic fuck up after he threatens Czech Senate Speaker over a Taiwan trip. Bruv, is this diplomacy or is this two grown men acting the fool? This is definitely not professional conduct on both sides, whether it's the Czech or the Chinese side. Two grown men behaving like keyboard warriors. I would like to see them say this to each other's face and the whole incident being captured on film by journalists for our pleasure in viewing an overall entertainment. The taxpayers should be entertained. What is the backstory here? Why are they mad? I believe the uh, Czech government and the mayor in question, and I think later members of the Czech Senate, they visited Taiwan and they spoke about how they shared a bond with Taiwan. And the Chinese ambassadors threatened the Czech government and the Czech people and said there would be severe consequences for crossing a red line. And, uh, you know, Europeans as a whole, they generally don't like being told what to do. Mm. Uh, so they, they were not pleased that China is threatening them and telling them there would be severe consequences. I think the Europeans said, what? We can be friends with whoever we want. Why are you telling us there's going to be consequences just because we want to be friends with Taiwan? Doesn't mean you can stop us. Mm. My, How my annoying are they, man? The CCP, they're annoying, bro. They're getting in everybody's face, to be honest. Like, what, mm. what do they do? Wake up every morning? Like, who haven't we pissed off this morning? Let's, oh, look, we found somebody, someone new to piss off. <laughs> the Czechs. Let's go piss off the Czechs. Yeah, they're a little country. Uh, but, I mean, do we have, I, I don't see the logic in this, but uh, if my uncle was still alive, he would have called him Dabichas Culeros. <laughs> exactly, them CCP clowns. Bruv, switching to something more lighthearted. Why have Beijing authorities seized Jackie Chan's Mary Jane mansion? And what is this marijuana mansion? Yeah, he had a, uh, a mansion in Beijing. It was called the Marijuana Mansion. No one what? really knows why they seized it. Some are suggesting tax evasions. Someone else is suggesting that Jackie, Jackie Chan made a joke about the Chinese government, and that's got him into trouble. Mm. Uh, 
maybe they just wanted all of his good hashish, you know? The guy is famous for a lot of good stuff. His <laughs> son, I believe, was arrested in that same mansion for the hashish. His son? Yeah, for the hashish. Man, all of this now makes sense to me. Jackie Chan, man, is the king of drugs, bro. I've seen his movies, bro. He be yeah. fighting like an animal. No way that's not chemical fueled. You get me? Oh. Oh. He moves around, swings his arms around like a maniac. He's on some good stuff, man. I think we might be getting somewhere here. Mm. Oh. I'm starting to think all the all of those, you know, stunts that go wrong and he's in tremendous pain. Maybe maybe he just lights up, up another drugs. spliff. Lights up another spliff and carry on. Maybe he's he's on some drugs or something. Maybe. And that's why he's just pumped full of adrenaline that he can't feel anything. Mm. But questions are being raised right now. Given that Jackie Chan's family lived in the home for 13 years. Wow. Why now? Some say the move may be related to factional battles within the party. Jackie Chan is tied to former President uh, Zheng Qinghong, who is under the Jiang Zemin faction. This is the main faction fighting with the faction of Xi Jinping, the current head of the party. The timing of this move appears to be related to the recent end of the party's high-level Bei Dai He meeting, after which Xi Jinping launched new purges targeting eras of society still controlled by the Jiang faction. So they're remo he's removing all of his uh, competitors, really, all of his potential opponents. So it'll be uh, from top to bottom. It'll be just pure Xi Jinping puppets. Mm. See, Jackie Chan, man, he's not only just an actor and famous over in Hollywood. He's a very important guy in Hong Kong and in China. He's well connected. It's like they're doing a cultural revolution thing on the Chan family. Speaking of such, CCP exerting their force on their citizens. Some sad news now, but important. At the end of last month, Hong Kong police assaulted a pregnant woman and beat up her husband. What in the hell kind of police tactics are this? Now, she might, even, she might not even be able to keep the baby. She might lose the baby. Man, that's sad. Who beats up a pregnant woman? What? These guys, they're on power trips. They put on their uniform. They call themselves police. And they think they're putting on like... Superman cloak. If they think they can just go around and do whatever they like. Actually, you know what? Not that they think. They can't. Because this is the CCP system. This is the level of cruelty that runs foul within the government system and plagues the good citizens of China. This is why the CCP must go. Even as if this wasn't bad enough, They've actually gone further. This week, they beat uh, a 12-year-old uh, girl who was out to buy uh, stationery, art supplies for her art class, I think. Oh, they beat no. her in the street. And why? She, she wasn't even part of the protest, but even if she was part of the protest, why would you beat a 12-year-old girl and then kneel on her head with mm. your knees? Mm. They think themselves big men doing this kind of stuff. Well, they, they are big men, and they're going to get away with it. Um, the Chinese people are suffering, and the people of Hong Kong are suffering. The people of Hong mm. Kong are really suffering under this impression. Mm. Well, I hope more citizens 
rise up and join force together to overthrow the CCP because this this needs to happen. And this week, though, what was really funny, there's a guy called Miles Guo. He's like the 70th richest man over in China, and he's a well-known China dissident. He created, or he's a part of, what they called a whistleblower movement. And he came out with a song. This song was topping charts in Apple downloads, iTunes, all over the place, bruv. It was called Take Down the CCP. Have you heard this song, man? I actually have listened to it. Um, it's got a catchy tune. It's a funny song, bro. I suggest very catchy. all our listeners, if you haven't heard the song, go and Google it. You'll see many videos about it calling Take Down the CCP by Miles Guo. We encourage this kind of behavior. We encourage the citizens of China that are oppressed and that haven't been completely brainwashed yet by the stupid propaganda to rise up and make your fellow citizens aware of what is going on in the country and look to other countries that are currently protesting. You know, they're currently protesting over many reasons. There's the coronavirus pandemic lockdown. So you've got people in the free world thinking that their freedom is being taken away. Fine. That's one protest. You've got this crazy stuff, massive uprising over in Belarus. Hey, look towards them. Look at what they're doing. Learn from them as they have learned from the Hong Kong protests. Hong Kong has inspired the world. They've done it the right way. They've inspired the world. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to. I do want to mention though, the pro- protests in Belarus. They haven't been. The government hasn't behaved the way China did in Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. If if you look at the videos of what happened and the photographs of Tiananmen Square, they didn't bring in tanks, but they have shot people, bro. They've disguised themselves in ambulances to drive behind the blockades that the protesters have put up to shoot them in the box. They've even thrown hand grenades. So, yes, they haven't gone to the same scale as the CCP did in the Tiananmen Square. You know, you have a broadcasted event of tanks riding over a man. Although I do want to say this, and this is the extent of the CCP propaganda. We in the Western world, saw that footage of that man being run over by that tank. However, those that were in China, they did not know that incident happened. They know something went down in Tiananmen Square, and they all got told to stay home. But they did not know the extent of the brutality that the PLA army enacted on the people. That is the extent of the CCP propaganda. So here I am sitting here, you know, in my safety of my bunker with MP5s on the wall, submachine guns all around me. No, 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 bro. I mean, I'm in the UK, bro. There's no guns allowed here. I'm just joking. Oh, you're just, you're just kidding around. I'm just joking, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That's what my, that's what my bedroom looks like. My, you know, I believe you that. know we're going to become a police state, man. Society's my. breaking apart. You got to be ready. Man, Hollywood, Hollywood's pumping you guys with zombie apocalypse films. I'm not surprised you guys are arming yourselves up to the teeth. Hey, listen, everybody, every man, woman, and child wants to get a, a sub-automatic uh, rifle, sub-machine mm. mm. Because there's no I better way, no better way of chopping down human beings than 
semi-automatic rifles. Yeah, these are machines are highly dangerous, and mm. uh, yeah, apparently I, I like, it's, it's. I like yeah. how some of the Americans, some of you know the people you live with over there, try and defend themselves and say this stuff is a sport. These stuff were made for war. There is no other use for them. I'm not sure why you'd consider it a sport. It's more of like a blood sport. Mm, exactly. Yeah, it's. Uh... I don't know. I, I just for the benefit of our listeners, neither of us actually have any uh, weapons in our houses. So, I've got uh, a butter knife, bro. You got a what? You, butter I've knife. got a butter knife. You know, us British people, we love our butter. We get our butter from France. They do the best, bro. You spread that on some muffins. Mmm, delicious, man. Oh, a butter butter knife, butter knife. Oh, I thought you said you had a better knife, butter knife. I, I get, I get what you, I get you. But I, we don't really do that with butter. For for most of our food, we just kind of fry our food in butter. We don't really spread it on bread. You should try frying things, mm. like frying frying stuff that shouldn't be fried. It makes mm. it taste, I guess, to some people better. Mm-hmm. I love to fry the CCP, man. I so think a I'll... lot of people share that opinion. Mm. As I was saying, you know, I'm we 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 sit in the safety of our homes, and we make these. Well, I make these judgment calls on CCP propaganda. However, I am acutely aware that those living in those kind of environments, you hear all these juice being spilled into your ear constantly. It gets hard. You get tired, and you are not able to understand. What is real and what isn't? At times, I get this. However, how does one get around that self-education, bro? You got to continuously grow as an individual and be resourceful in looking for sources of information to corroborate and contra- contrast with each other to make your own personal decisions. We hope that you stumble across our platform, our podcast, and. Grow with us. Some bad news on the coronavirus front, bro. You know me. I got high hopes, and I like to buck our Oxford University's vaccine, which is being marketed essentially by a pharmaceutical company called AstraZeneca. They've had a major setback this week, man. So they're in phase three of their trials, which is the standard process whereby. Fifty thousand people are involved in this trial, and the the vaccine is being tested upon them. One person, and a UK participant, has reacted very badly to the vaccine. Her this woman's symptoms were consistent with transverse myelitis, a serious spinal inflammatory disorder that can cause bladder problems, muscle weaknesses, pain. And at worst, paralysis. So she's in hospital now. She is one of you know this is phase three trials. Yeah, paralysis, man. That's at the worst case scenario. This is oh, phase no. three trials. So there's fifty thousand people. Okay, but phase two, we're talking like twenty thousand people as well. Phase one had you know a few thousand there. So this vaccine now has been tested by over sixty thousand people. She is only one that's come down to this, but it doesn't matter 
even if it's one. Her reactions are so bad, they have shut down the trials. They have put her on pause while they go and investigate why it occurred to this woman. And this is the right way of doing things, bro. You know, we've got China, the CCP, stating they have a vaccine and pumping their citizens with it. You have Russia saying they've got the Sputnik 5, which, you know, Sputnik means traveling companion. So you don't know what they've been injected with. And they gave it, they inoculated their, their citizens after only testing it amongst less than 10,000 people. So if this is happening with the Oxford University vaccine, can you imagine what the CCP and what Vladimir Putin is doing to its people? And in saying that, the brainless baboon that bought the Russian vaccine, this smart leader over in the Philippines, he said he's going to inoculate all his citizens too. I assume you're referring to uh, the esteemed learned scholar, president, leader, chief, Rodrigo Duterte. That's right. The one that has called for open warfare on the streets of drug dealers. And really what's happening is that criminals, organized crime groups are taking advantage of the situation and just, you know, taking over territories and killing each other. And they setting up the bodies and like, oh, this guy was a drug dealer. What kind of person encourages gang warfare in his own country? He wanted to get rid of drugs entirely. So he said, if you're a drug user or a drug dealer, you will be shot on the spot. But what that has gone and done is created so-called vigilante groups or really just other criminals shooting each other on the streets and leaving the bodies and saying, hey, that guy was associated with such and such gang. And now the same dude, oh man, the same dude is buying the vaccine from Russia. This is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. My imagination is telling me that Russia and China, man, they can forget about producing zombie films. They can just document it and record because these people, they're probably going to turn into zombies, bro. This is incredibly irresponsible. Hmm. So it's a bit sad that, you know, everyone's kind of putting hopes into vaccines. This is just one. There are hundreds and I think thousand trials out there going on in a race to try and find a vaccine. However, I have to mention in our whole human history, we have never had a vaccine for a virus. None that has worked, you know, more than just seasonally. Uh, we, we have, I think, uh, the human papilloma virus, HPV. I think there's a vaccine for that. Straight up cure. Uh, not, I'm not sure if it's a cure, but I believe it's a relatively effector, effective vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, like you said, the problem with viruses is that, or viri, is that they do have a tendency to evolve. Um, so it, it might just have to be that we have to keep up. Um, as humans and keep making a, a new vaccine each year, the way we do with the flu virus. Mm-hmm. It might just, we're going to live with this damn, you know, virus for a long time mm-hmm. with all of its side effects and the mot- mm. mortality. Things mm. are not going to go back to normal after this. People aren't going to forget. Let's hope people have died in the, the US. Do you know how many people have died in my country? Has it hit a million yet, Bon? Or is it just 500,000 or so? Well, the, the official numbers are hovering, 
I think at about 200,000. I, I don't know the exact figure, but um, mm. we likely won't know for some time because we don't know uh, the exact numbers until we do large scale testing. So what mm. we might have to do, scientists will have to compare how many people died last year and how many people died this year, and then compare the difference because fundamentally the amount of people who die each year should be relatively stable. Uh, mm. So if we see elevated numbers of deaths, then we can draw the conclusion that the coronavirus would have had something to do with that. And we should also mention that suicides have skyrocketed in, in the US because of the economic pain. People are killing themselves. This is, this is a, an, a, 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 an economic virus as much as it is a physical virus. It has infected the economy. And if you don't have money on the, t you know, money, you can't put food on the table. That's the society we live in. Mm. It's happening all over the world right now. You know, people are in worse situations than us. So let's hope that all those trustworthy groups out there searching for the vaccine, Godspeed to them. Godspeed to our brothers and sisters over in Oxford University. Let's hope they get over this setback. So thank you for joining us and we hope you continue to be entertained by the silly things the CCP do every week and keep resisting the CCP with us. This resistance mentality is the same everywhere in all aspects of life. Don't let anything get you down. Don't ever get punked. Hashtag stay ready. In the meantime, keep safe. Keep spilling that juice and join us next time to digest all the week's madness again. Much love to you all. Later, Professor Sanchez. Adios, Adios, my friend. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 e se muoio da partigiano, tu mi devi seppellire, mi seppellirai da su montagna, oh, bella ciao, bella ciao.